Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our full moon meditation broadcast in the sign of cancer. And in fact, the full moon will be uh, at 7.39pm BST, which will be probably just after the end of this broadcast. So we're working within the full tide of the energies. So, what are the colours of the season? Which necklines and hemlines are favoured? Not questions that esotericists are perhaps much given to ponder. <clears throat> Yet, the seasonal fluctuations in fashion indicate two significant spiritual concepts. The rhythmic pulsation of changing energies within the cosmos and the response of mass consciousness to the cyclic manifestation of these energies. Cancer is said to be the birthplace of ideas and also the gateway to physical incarnation. It can be considered as the place of incarceration where the initial impulse of spirit is finally enclosed in material form. Then the task of the indwelling life is to transform this darkened prison into a lighted beacon of loving purpose. Returning to the word fashion, it comes from the, the Latin word for making or creating a form. And we can identify fashion trends not just in clothing, but in ideologies too. New ideas are constantly being born into theories and concepts, which is another word linked to birth. For example, sustainable development and the concept of sustainability is being superseded by regenerative design. The postmodern predicament makes way for the metamodern pickle. This transformation in language reveals the constant urge to create new forms in response to incoming energies. And while clothing fashion lives more in a kind of instinctual mass response to such energies, manifesting in colours and shapes, the fashion in ideas is predominantly an individualised intellectual response. We may wonder whether there is a further stage of this process, an intuitive group response. Perhaps it manifests through the dynamic operation of groups dedicated to the service of the whole. The three conscious phases of instinct, intellect and intuition are all implicated 
in the labour of Hercules for cancer, the capture of the doe or hind. Hercules needs to learn to discriminate among these three phases of consciousness. Eventually, through expressing the highest phase, the intuition, he achieves the goal. Yet each phase is necessary as the foundation for the next. In a video interview, the storyteller Martin Shaw notes that the moon is sometimes said to come down to earth in the form of a deer. And so he is always aware when he is trailing an idea that it may be a god in disguise. Cancer's personality ruler is the moon. And the more general point is that ideas which express the differing ray energies are charged with numinous power. In Cancer, the first of the three signs following the higher interlude, there is the opportunity to precipitate this numinous power into forms. This opportunity is nevertheless dangerous because there is always the possibility of distortion leading to the sea of illusion, glamour and maya in which humanity swims. For example, in Glamour, A World Problem, the Tibetan sets out seven different ways in which an intuited idea can be distorted. This difficult work of attracting the right kind of matter into forms suitable to clothe an idea is white magic. Rays three and seven, which flow through the triangles of Cancer, Libra, Capricorn and Cancer, Capricorn, Aries, respectively, are two which have a particular connection with this work. Ray 3 is the major fountainhead of creativity. Ray 7 is the organising patterning principle which ultimately grounds this creativity. Before we continue, let's pause for a moment of silence and then say together the mantram of the new group of world servers.
May the power of the one life pour through the group of all true servers. May the love of the one soul characterize the lives of all who seek to aid the Great Ones. May I fulfill my part in the one work through self-forgetfulness, harmlessness and right speech. The Tibetan pays particular attention to the work of precipitating ideas into physical form in his discussion of the 15 rules for magic given in A Treatise on White Magic. Interestingly, he also notes the significance of rays 3 and 7 for this work. He states, We now come to the four rules which concern the physical plane. In many ways their understanding is far more difficult than was the case in the other rules, in just the same way that practical application is far harder than theorising. We can frequently think with clarity and desire rightly, but the working out into physical plane manifestation of the subjective ideas under law and constructively is never an easy thing to do. It is, however, just at this point that a white magician begins to do his real work, and it is just here that he encounters failure and finds that his inner grasp of reality does not necessarily result in correct creative activity. In a treatise on cosmic fire, there will be found certain points of interest for us to consider, and I would like to quote a few words from them. It might be useful here to remember that in the work of creation, the white magician avails himself of the current ray influences. When the fifth, third and seventh rays are in power, either coming in at full meridian or passing out, the work is much easier than when the second, sixth or fourth are dominant. At the present time, the seventh ray, as we know, is rapidly dominating. And it is one of the easiest of the forces with which man has to work. Under this ray, it will be possible to build a new structure for the rapidly decaying civilization and to erect the new temple desired for the religious impulse. Under its influence, the work of the numerous unconscious magicians will be much facilitated.
That's the end of the quote from Cosmic Fire. And the Tibetan then continues. It is apparent, therefore, that the day of opportunity is with us and that the coming generation can, if it so wishes, perform the magical work with many of the factors present, which will tend to produce satisfactory results. The fifth ray is passing out, but its influence can still be felt. The third ray is at full meridian, and the seventh ray is rapidly coming into right activity. Much will consequently occur to make man successful, provided he can preserve constantly a right orientation, purity of motive and of life, and a stabilised and receptive emotional body. And that inner alignment which will make his personality a true vehicle for his soul or self. In a continuation of the same passage, the Tibetan points out that the cyclic nature of this work, a rhythmic process which cancer through the seventh ray facilitates. A very interesting analogy works out as we study the words, the web pulsates, it contracts and expands. The underlying thought is that of pulsation, of diastole and systole, of ebb and flow, of cyclic activity, of the day of opportunity and the night of inactivity, of inflow and output, and of those many appearances and disappearances which mark the sweep of all lives in all kingdoms and dimensions. This day and night cycle which is the inevitable mark of manifested existence, has to be recognised. One of the things which every disciple has to learn, putting the truth in the simplest terms, is to achieve that wisdom which is based on a knowledge of when to work and when to refrain, and on an an understanding of those periods or interludes which are characterised by speech and by silence. It is here that mistakes are made, and here that many workers fail to make good. This entire rule may be given in the following paraphrase, which will merit careful thought. God breathes, and his pulsating life emanates from the divine heart and manifests as the vital energy of all forms. It flows, pulsating in its cycles throughout all nature. This constitutes the divine inhalation and exhalation. Between this breathing out and the breathing in comes a period of silence and the moment for effective work. If disciples can learn to utilise these interludes, they can then release the prisoners of the planet, which is the objective of all magical work performed during this world period. End of quote.
But preceding this stage of release, there is first the process of building the personality, the prison house of the soul. Using these very prisoners, which are pranic divas, and which automatically attract to themselves dense physical matter of various grades. This descent into material form through the gateway of incarnation is itself a great magical work, for the personality is ultimately the thought form of the soul. In New Mansions for New Men, Dane Rajar notes that the key impulse in cancer is to establish, to build foundations. It marks a pronounced shift from a purely subjective sense of self to one which is objective, rooted in reality. He notes that the human body is what the individual has fashioned out of his heredity under certain conditions of environment. While this self, as a divine idea or archetype, may be a wondrous formula of being, the human race may not at that particular time offer adequate materials or environment for its successful incorporation. Thus the importance of cycles of opportunity and manifestation is underlined. If, however, the manifestation is successful, then the body becomes a point of anchorage and leverage, the foundation of self-expression, the foundation for the release of power. Raja notes that for those who have begun to recognise the influence of the soul, this entails establishment in a new type of body, an individual soul organism. The symbol for such a soul organism at the current stage of human consciousness is the home. Rajar suggests that the particular property that characterises home is the interaction of a masculine and feminine polarity made concrete and operative within a structure of earth materials. While a physiological body is polarised, that is, either male or female, the home is the projection of a nexus of bipolar, that is, male and female, psychic energies. The home thus requires three things a male and a female centre of life radiations, a constant rhythmical pulsation between these two psychic poles, and a projection in concrete materials of this pulsation. The home becomes thus a symbolical body. It's symbolical and not absolutely, re absolutely real, because the pulsation of two interrelated psychic poles, man and woman, is not a constant and indissoluble one. Thus the significance of monogamous indissoluble marriage, it is an attempt to transform the home 
from a symbol into an absolute reality. End of quote. This reflection on the meaning of home in its ideal sense sheds an interesting light on the keynote of cancer. I build a lighted house or home and therein dwell. One can view this seed thought from the angle of the individual, in which case the pulsation of two interrelated poles is between soul and personality, leading eventually to the ideal soul-infused personality. When we expand our vision to the human race, we are presented with this idea on a racial or kingdom-wide scale. In effect, the descent of the kingdom of God, the fifth kingdom of living souls, into the fourth kingdom, producing a fusion that should allow the human kingdom in time to fulfil its planetary purpose. This is described as the developing of a station of light through the medium of the fourth kingdom in nature, which will serve not only the planet and not only our particular solar system, but the seven systems of which ours is one. This result is certainly a great way off in time, yet every single individual who steps forward into the kingdom of souls brings it nearer. And an intermediate step in this great aeonial process is the transmission of the light of the soul into the lower kingdoms of nature. This process is described in terms of homemaking by Martin Shaw. He refers to the need for our capacity to make homemaking skills again in ourselves for something that is bigger than us, that we learn to bend our head again, that we learn some humility. The quality of humility is particularly associated with Capricorn, the polar opposite of Cancer. The Tibetan notes that, like the other signs of the Cardinal Cross, cancer is very difficult to understand. And the ruler of cancer is Neptune in all three cases, although in the case of the personality it is veiled by the moon. Neptune is another energetic manifestation that is difficult to fathom. Dean Rudyard observes that Neptune, together with Uranus and Pluto, belongs to an altogether different level of reality than the inner planets. In fact, they are hardly to be considered as integral parts of the solar system if the latter is understood as a closely defined and limited cosmic entity. He indicates that they represent the stage of transition between the solar system unit and the vaster cosmic whole, the galaxy. More precisely, 
they refer to certain basic modes of activity by which this galactic whole constantly impresses its powers upon our tiny solar system, feeds, in a sense, this solar system, and works towards its closer integration into the galactic field. Uranus challenges, disturbs, breaks down at times, and illumines with flashes of realisation the Saturnian place and name an individual has in society. Uranus says to the person who has identified himself with a definite tradition, culture, social class, job and ego, for the ego was mostly moulded by social factors. You are more than that. Break away from your jail of narrow selfhood. Experience your future, your galactic being. After Uranus has done this job, Neptune moves on, dissolving the substance of the walls or shells Uranus has shattered loose, releasing the stunned or enthralled consciousness. Such dissolving power is the aspect of Neptune, Neptune most familiar to students of astrology. Neptune is thus related to everything that is vast, immeasurable, indefinite, universal, universalistic, but also loose, unfocused, misty, glamorous, unreal, escapist. Neptune, however, also has a positive aspect. After all, it is an agent of the vast galactic field of cosmic existence. It is an emissary of the greater to the lesser. If it dissolves the obsolete narrowness of the Saturnian focus, it is because of deep, vast compassion. God becomes man so that man may soon grow into the likeness of the divine form within the galactic being. These reflections by Rudyard that Neptune is related to everything vast, immeasurable, indefinite, universalistic, and also the fact that Neptune is the god of the waters, suggests a connection with the deeply potent phrase oceanic synthesis, which is a translation from the ancient censor, and is found as one of the four phrases inscribed around a symbol in the archives of the masters, and the, the symbol is reproduced on the PowerPoint. This symbol is one of the formulas for initiation and is connected with the spiritual triad. In discussing this symbol, the Tibetan connects it with the archetypal flag of a nation. And he suggests that behind the flag is a point of power, which is the point of inspiration to the soul of the people, 
Not yet equally, of course, is the point moving forward into the circle of the people's life. As yet, you have only the square of the personality reactions of the people and the lines of their evolutionary approach to a deeper consciousness. This developing consciousness we call the soul of the people. Someday, the point will take its place in the centre of the square and all the lines will converge upon that point. We shall then have a nation galvanised into activity by interior spiritual energy and the lines which have hitherto converged inwards towards the centre will become channels or pathways along which spiritual energy will flow into every phase of a nation's civilization and culture. The nation will then be linked up through the point at the centre with the source of divine inspiration, which is one for all types, all nations and all races in time and space. We may thus envision a future where all nations have reached this point of synthesis, thus implying a complete freedom from the glamours of nationalism and a freely flowing cooperation among all nations. It is, that, it is at that point that the planetary thought form of the Logos will be needing the point at which all the, the Devic prisoners of the planet are released and the earth can take its place as the station of light mentioned above. Then indeed the work of cancer will have reached a culminating point of fruition and humanity itself can say together I build a lighted house and therein dwell. We're now going into a meditation using the seed thought I build a lighted house and therein dwell. Group fusion. I am one with my group brothers and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me 
lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. We project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart, the great ashram of Sanat Kumara, and towards the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. Extend the line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known.
higher interlude. Hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. Using the creative imagination, endeavour to see the three planetary centres, Shambhala, hierarchy and humanity, gradually coming into alignment and interplay.
reflect on Siddhot. I build a lighted house and therein dwell.
precipitation. Using the creative imagination, visualize the energies of light, love and the will to good pouring throughout the planet and becoming anchored on earth in prepared physical plane centers through which the plan can manifest. Use the sixfold progression of divine love as the sequence of energy precipitation. Shambhala, hierarchy, the Christ, the new group of world servers, men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, and physical centers of distribution. Lower interlude. Refocus the consciousness as a group within the periphery of the great ashram. Together sound the affirmation. In the centre of all love I stand. From that centre I, the soul, will outward move. From that centre I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group and throughout the world. Visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through the hierarchy, streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. Consider how these inpouring energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualizing the outpouring of light and love and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets, London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva and Tokyo, irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the centre where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the centre which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power Restore the plan on earth.
Thank you for, for your participation tonight. The next full moon broadcast will be the Festival of Leo on Friday the 23rd of July at the same time, 6.30pm BST. And as I mentioned at the beginning, the actual time of the full moon is in about 11 minutes' time. Um, so once the broadcast is over, we can all move into a subject of silence and perhaps at the time of the full moon sound together the great invocation subjectively. Thank you and good night.